0: All right, all right. Hey, we're in week three, the last week of Cross the Line. And the whole idea, if you haven't been here for the first two weeks, is that um, in our world um, today and really throughout history, we have lines drawn in between us for really a million different reasons, but a few of them that come up all the time in, in our culture today is race and age and, and gender and, um, and, and where you live and, and what your background is, what your religion is. But, but whatever it is, we just have these lines that, that come between us us and other people. And the whole point of this series is that Jesus came for all, so we are called to go to all. Jesus came for all, so we are called to go to all. And and the way we could say it for this series is Jesus crossed the line, so we should too. Jesus crossed the line, so we should too. And and so the whole time we've been talking about cross the line, we've just really been talking about how God has called us to cross these lines that the world has put into place. To, to separate us from other people, and, and how he really, um, he, he is constantly calling us to cross all kinds of lines, um, to move towards people that he came to die for. And uh, and last week, Jacob talked about how, uh, how it really kind of starts in our hearts, it kind of starts in, in us um, as individuals, and tonight I kind of want to talk about how it spreads from there, how it starts as individuals, but how it can spread when we cross lines together. In, in 1960, and, and I'll give you a little history lesson real quick, in 1960, um, we talked about this a couple, a couple weeks ago, but there was this thing in our nation called segregation, which separated people base, based on their race or the color of their skin, and um, in 1960, uh, this was in full force, and so uh, black people and white people had separate everything, separate restaurants, separate areas to sit on a bus, Separate colleges and schools and uh, and bathrooms and, and water fountains and all kinds of stuff, and, and in the midst of this in one thousand nine hundred and sixty in, uh, in in Greensboro, North Carolina, there was this uh, there was this guy named Ralph Johns, and he was a white guy, and uh, he owned a business, um, and it was a little store, and he hated segregation. He thought it was like the most ridiculous thing ever, and and he he just he would put signs in his window and stuff, and 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 a white guy talking against segregation wasn't very popular, and so uh, people would throw eggs at his building, and they would vandalize his store, and and all that kind of stuff. But he would he would just he would constantly fight back against. Um, segregation and against racism in in an area that was very segregated, very racist. And uh, he, he, he would constantly, for about 10 years, he would talk to these young uh, uh, black guys that would come into his store um, and he would talk to them about this idea of sitting in sitting into restaurants to to help fight against segregation and it, it had been done before he didn 't make it up or anything, but he just felt like in, in their city they needed to do it, and he couldn 't do it because he was white, and so he would really encourage um, some of his his friends that were black and, and some of the guys that worked for him that were black to 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 maybe do this and for years and years and years nobody really did it because why would they do it? It would, it would hurt them. They'd get arrested. They'd get, they'd get, uh, persecuted for it. And until one day, a couple of guys were like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. And they got a couple of their friends. And, um, and the four of them are in this picture right here, this famous picture. Their names were, uh, Blair, Franklin McCain, Joseph McNeil, and David Richmond. They were, uh, students at North Carolina A&T, and they were, uh, freshmen. And, um, and they said, you know what, we'll do it. And so they went to this, this popular uh, kind of general store called um, Woolworths. And, and it, ha- it would have like this, like, like everything that you could ever buy, like food and, and school supplies and all that kind of stuff. But then attached to it was like a diner. And in this diner, um, uh, it was allowed for black and white to eat there. However, there was an area where black people had to just stand up and eat. And then there was this counter, this, this, this countertop. Um, just kind of like in an old school diner where only white people were allowed to eat. And so one day they go in and they buy, um, they buy their school supplies and all that kind of stuff, kept their receipt to show that they were paying customers. And then they go and they sit down at the bar. And kind of everybody just becomes quiet and is staring and like, what are you doing? And, and one of the workers comes up like, man, sorry, you can't sit here. It's not allowed. And they try to order and they won't take their order. And then they ask for the manager, and the manager comes out and says, if you guys don't get up, I'm going to to call the police. And he calls the police. The police officer came. The police officer didn't do anything, and then he left. And they stayed there all day until the shop closed. And then the next day, they came back. And the next day, they came back. And then over the next few days and weeks, more students started coming with them from all over the city. It got so crazy, like the lines were out the door of people coming and sitting and protesting the fact that they could not be served because of the color of their skin. And for months and months this went on until finally the corporate office of Woolworths had lost so much money. They lost the equivalent today of $1.7 million just at one little shop. They lost so much money that they said, we are not going to do this anymore. You serve whoever comes into your store wherever they sit. But it wasn't just in this city that this happened because all around the country people started to take notice. And this picture kind of was across all these newspapers and, and, and news uh, and media. And, and, and so people started doing this all over the country. Students started going in and sitting in segregated restaurants to fight against the, the, the injustice that was going on, to kind of cross over that line of saying, this isn't right, that we should be separated because of the color of our skin. And so what these four young men did was not just change the the, the kind of prospects and the idea of where people sat in one restaurant in one town. But over the course of, of the following months and years, the sit-in movement grew across the country, and it was a huge part of the civil rights movement that ended segregation. And it started with four guys deciding to cross the line. And they didn't know if they were going to get arrested or beat up they said over the, over the days that they, they weren't physically assaulted, but they were uh, everything that could possibly be yelled at them. Every curse word, every racial slur was yelled at them. And in, in other places across the country, people were arrested and beaten and all that kind of stuff. But over time, it made a difference. As one person, two, three, four crossed the line, and then other people started to cross the line with them. A huge revolution happened in our country and changed our nation forever. And in Acts chapter 10, something kind of similar happens. And Jacob talked about it last week. Peter gets called to go to a Roman soldier's house. And when he goes to this Roman soldier's house, Peter realizes he is a racist. And he realizes he is, uh, he is just full of hatred for people that are different for him. And he realizes that it is not right. And so he crosses the line and he shares Jesus with these Roman people. These people that were not part of his nation. And, uh, and he crosses a line. And he shows us that when one crosses a line, others are encouraged to cross the line with him. When these young men went into that diner and sat down, others were encouraged to cross the line with them. When Peter crosses this line, other people were encouraged to cross the line with him. It was kind of a ripple effect. You throw a rock in the water, and it ripples out, and it's, 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 its movement goes outwards and affects far more than just the one little place where it dropped. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 11, the very next verse, from where Peter is with these Romans, and we're going to see what happens after he crosses the line, how his act will change other people says in verse 1, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, this is like the home field of, of Christianity at the time and definitely the home of Judaism. When he got back to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, so let, me, let me just tell you what this means. This was, these were the people that were Jewish, part of the kingdom of Israel, but that had also become Christians. All right, so these are like the Jewish believers. So the Jewish believers criticized him. They criticized him. And they said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and you ate with them. In other words, you went where you were not supposed to go. You crossed the line you were not supposed to cross. You should not have been there. You should not have eaten with them. What you did was wrong. That Greek word for, the, which is what the whole New Testament was written in was Greek. The original word for that word criticize was literally to discriminate or separate. Like, so, so this is what they essentially did. They drew a line between themselves and Peter. Why? Because Peter had crossed a line. So they discriminate against Peter because he did not discriminate against other people. And then they, they criticized him. They criticized him. And here's just something you need to, to know. Whenever you cross a line, you're going to get criticized. When you, when you hang out with someone that uh, other people don't really hang out with in your friend group, you'll be criticized. When you go somewhere that you're not supposed to go, at least according to people that, that you're friends with or people that you're in a group with, you're going to be criticized. When you reach out to that person that is different than you, you'll probably be criticized. Almost every single time we cross lines, we're going to be criticized. And Peter hears these words and he says, okay, let me tell you what happened. And so he goes through the whole story. He says, I got caught. I, was, I had this vision. These three men showed up. They took me with them. I get there. God is showing me uh, what's going on, showing me something new. And then we're going to skip down to verse 17. or I'm sorry, verse 15. And here's what happens. He said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So the Holy Spirit did the same thing to the Romans as he did to the Jews. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. That John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he asked this question. This is is so important. He says, So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Here's something we need to remember. We don't follow the ways of other people. We don't follow the ways of the world. We don't follow the ways of our culture. We follow the ways of Jesus. We follow the ways of Jesus. And they heard this. They hear this story, and they're like, they're shocked. And here's what they say. When they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, this isn't necessarily the point of the sermon, but let me, let me make sure that we point this, this, this point out in verse 18. All people can be in a relationship with Jesus regardless of lines. All people. All religions well, at least what they were, they were raised in, or maybe what they came to Jesus as. All, all races, all genders, all ages, all nationalities, rich and poor, it, it really doesn't matter. All people can go to Jesus, regardless of the lines between them and other people. This is what they realized at this moment. They said, oh my gosh, even they can come to know Jesus, which was essentially saying, oh, oh, so it's everyone so everyone is allowed to be a part of this. Now, it would be nice if that's where it ended. If at that moment they all said, okay, Jesus is for everybody. That's that's great. That's how we're gonna do it. But that's not what happened. We're gonna skip forward a couple of chapters, but not it may be a couple, couple of pages in your book, but it's about 10 to 12 years in real life. We're gonna skip to get ahead, about 10 or 12 years to Acts chapter 15. And unfortunately. What was happening 10 or 12 years ago is still happening at this point. Because just because one person crosses a line or a group of people cross the line doesn't change everything overnight. Like it takes time to change the hearts of a massive amount of people. But it can happen. We're gonna see that in chapter 15. So move forward to chapter 15, verse one. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. So they were teaching Christians, that unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This is going to come up a lot. I'm just going to get awkward for a second and explain what this means. Circumcision. A lot of times it happens in a hospital to little boys. It is when a piece of skin is cut off of their Genitalia. Okay, this happens usually when a a baby boy is first born. If if it's going to happen, and it's kind of common today. In that time, it was not common. Only Jewish people had this done, and it was a sign that they were a part of God's kingdom. All right. So it's only happened to the Jewish people. Everybody else, they they didn't they didn't do this little surgery. They didn't have this little uh, little thing done to them when they were born uh, in the hospital or wherever they were born. They weren't born in hospitals in, in their homes, and so. They're coming and they're saying, well, unless you're circumcised, unless you get a surgery, according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. Uh, So you guys know if if you've been here for a while that many weeks we will give opportunities for people to give their lives over to Christ. Now imagine if I stood up here one week and I said, all right, whoever wants to give your life to Christ, you know, and I'm saying, hey, one, two, three, raise your hand, and like 10 people raise their hands. And then at the end of the service, I said, hey, guys, we love you so much, we'll see you later. Hey, girls, you can exit, you can exit left. Boys, I'm gonna need to meet you in the back. We got a doctor here, and they are going to uh, perform a surgery on you, um, and that is what it's going to take for you to become saved. How many boys do you think would be Christians in Jacksonville Beach? Zero. Nobody's going, they might be like, oh yeah, I'll raise my hand, but nobody's gonna go get their junk cut when they're like 15, 16 years old, to become a Christian, okay? I know y'all are like, this is crazy. Like, it's in the Bible. Listen, like, so this is what they're saying. They were going to these guys, and they were like, listen, listen, we know, we know you believe in Jesus. That's great, man. That's great. You gave your life to Christ at a retreat. Cool. All right, we got a little scalpel over here, and we're going to perform a surgery to really complete the whole deal. And as you can imagine, most guys were like, eh. They they were a very female-heavy church at this point. And so this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. They were were angry at these guys. And Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So they're going to have a meeting, a church meeting. And the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. And this news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then, some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Now, if you you don't really remember, the Pharisees were the people that Jesus always got in fights with. Why? Because they were obsessed with the law. They were obsessed with the traditions and the rules. And they're going to come up. They're Christians, but they're still kind of Pharisees. And they're going to come up and they're going to be like, listen, the Gentiles must be circumcised. And required to keep the law of Moses. They've got to get the surgery. They must finish this thing off, just like we did. They have to do it. Verse 6. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, which means they were arguing, after much discussion, Peter got up and he addressed them. Now here's where... One person crossing the line is going to start to change some other people. Peter's going to share what happened to him. He says, brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the next of Gentiles, and Gentiles were anybody that weren't believers. These were the people that were uncircumcised. He says, why are you going to try to put on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke or a burden that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? What he's kind of saying is, are you really going to put all these laws on them and try to get them to do something that we couldn't do ourselves? Like, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't fair. He makes all these points like the Holy Spirit came upon them and they are justified by faith in their hearts and it's not about a surgery and I saw it happen. Verse 10, he says, now then, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11. He says, no, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. It's not by surgery. It's not by something physical. It's not by a tradition. It's by grace through the Lord Jesus. And the whole assembly became silent. And then they started listening to Barnabas and Paul, who kind of jumped on and They're like, oh, yeah, we, you, know, you hear what Peter did? Well, listen to what happened with us. And they told about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James, who was the brother of Jesus, we've talked about James before, he was the brother of Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He saw his brother raised from the dead. And he said, oh, I guess I'm a Christian now. I'm going to follow after you. You must be who you said you were. James speaks up. He's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a big deal in the church because he was Jesus' brother, like real brother. So he speaks up and he says, brothers. Listen to me. Simon, or or Peter, he's he's saying his other name. Peter has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, he's going to quote an Old Testament scripture, and we're going to skip down to verse 19. And here's what he says. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. I'm going to get back to that verse in a little bit. But here's here's kind of the point. When we cross the line together, we start a movement. When we cross the line together, we start a movement. This is what happened in Greensboro in 1960. Four guys crossed the line together, and it began a movement that changed our nation. And it happens here 2,000 years ago. Peter, Paul, Barnabas, they cross the line together. And they share with everybody else what happened. And everybody else starts to go alongside with them. They start to move across the line as a group of people. And here's why this is all important. Because if this never happened, we wouldn't be here today. Imagine if they had said, well, I think they should still have to get circumcised. Then people would not have really liked the message of Jesus very much. It would have stayed this small kind of Jewish cult in the middle of Israel in the first century, and it would have been okay, but it wouldn't have grown very much, and it would have just faded away. But because they decided that they were not going to make it difficult for people to turn to Jesus, we sit here today. That the gospel started to move across nations. It started to move across the oceans, and it came over to North America. And over the thousands of years since this day, the church has expanded. Why? Because they made a very, very important decision. They said, we're not going to make this difficult. We are going to cross this line together. So how do we cross lines together? I want to start in this place right here, in this this place that we call United on a Sunday night. How do we cross lines together at United on a Sunday night? People, people come here every week, right? You know, like people come here for the first time. People come here because their friend invited them. People come here because their parents force them. People come here and they haven't been here in months, but then they just show back up. People come for a lot of different reasons. Some people feel like, hey, God's calling me to be here. Some people went to another church and they came here. Some people just moved to town. Some people were guilt tripped into being here. Some people were like, I'll get the free free T-shirt. I'll come show up or I'll get Christmas cookies or pizza or whatever and I'll show up. There's a lot of different reasons that people show up. But here's what we know. When they come here, they are going to discover something about God by being here. And that can either be positive or negative. When they come into a place that says, We are all about Jesus, they're going to associate your actions with Jesus. All right? Anytime someone walks into United, they are going to learn something, at least in their own heart, about what or who God is. And that can either be good. Or it can be bad. Now, a lot of people come in here, and they're here for the first time. And guys, you've all been somewhere for the first time. How many of you have ever um, gone to a new school in the middle of a year? Anybody? Okay. That, like, really, really stinks. It's, like, the worst thing ever. Um, how many of you have ever been to, to a party or, or some get-together where you knew maybe one person or less? Right. Okay. How many of you have ever gotten to a job and you knew none of your coworkers? Okay. So we've all been somewhere for the first time. It's awkward. It's, it's embarrassing because you're like, oh, what do I wear? What are people gonna think? Like, who am I gonna stand with? What are they gonna think of me? What am I gonna think of them? It's just scary. Even when I go to, new, when, when I go to other churches, like a couple weeks ago, uh, Karen and I went to, or a couple months ago, we went to a church we'd never been to just randomly on a Sunday morning. And um, even me, I work at a church and I still feel awkward going to someone else's church. And I know what to expect. Imagine someone coming in here who doesn't really go to church very much, who doesn't really know what to expect. That is a scary thing. And when they walk in, they're either going to have a good experience or a bad experience. They're going to think something about God based on what you guys do. Not so much what happens up here. I mean, yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll change things a little bit, but more so they're gonna get it from what happens in the courtyard, what happens when they sit down, whether they're sitting alone or whether they're sitting next to someone. Like that's, that's what's going to really affect them. And we have a choice. At United, we can either cross lines or not. We can stay with our friends or we can cross lines and talk to people we don't know. Sometimes people come in here and they haven't been here for like six months or maybe a year. Maybe they came in middle school and they haven't been in like a couple of years. And they walk in. And even though they used to come and even though they know people, they are asking a question. Will they accept me? Are they going to like me? Are they going to say something about where have you been? What's going to happen? And they're nervous and they're unsure. And their impression of God will come from what we do, whether or not we cross the line to them. And sometimes I've heard people say stuff like, and I know, I know you don't mean it or anything, but listen, I've heard people say like, what are you doing here? Listen, imagine you go into somewhere, and you've never been there before, and someone walks up to you, and they say, what are you doing here? You're like, oh, and you would probably just like awkwardly like turn and walk away or run away, or, or maybe you'd be like, oh, oh, I don't know, and then you just like leave when nobody was watching. Like, that is the worst thing we could say to someone, but sometimes we say things like that. Where have you been? And we might mean it happy, but imagine that. They, they, they come into United, and they're like, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? And the first thing they hear is someone saying, Where have you been? And they're like, oh, no, they're judging me. And you may not have meant it that way, but that's how they hear it. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, on a Sunday night where most of us are Christians and coming for the same reason to united, are we going to cross the line or not? And this is something I can't do by myself. Our life group leaders can't do it by themselves. Even some of our student leadership can't do it by themselves. We have to all do it. It has to be a cultural thing. We have to all be willing to cross lines or else people will leave. And they won't want to give Jesus a chance because they weren't given a chance. And so we've got to be willing to cross lines. Just If we can't do it here on a Sunday night, we have no chance to do it at school, no chance to do it out in the world. If we can't do it together on a Sunday night, it's really probably never going to happen outside in our daily lives. Man, here's another thing that we, that we sometimes draw these lines, especially in church. Reputation. Like someone comes in here, and you guys know them from school, and you're like, what on earth are they doing at church? I know. I know they don't believe in Jesus. I know what they did last night. I see their social media. I know what their life is like. I know who they hang out with. And you think, why are they here? And they might be asking themselves the same question. Why am I here? And we have an opportunity. We can either cross the line in love, or we can stay back here and be like, ooh, what are they doing here? One thing might engage them to hear about Jesus. The other will push them far away, and they may never come back. We have to ask ourselves the question, will we cross the line together? Will we cross the line across who has been here for a long time and who's new? Across who comes every week and who hasn't been here for a few months? Across who who has a good reputation and who has a bad reputation? See, we've got to make this a safe place because our world's not very full of safe places. Guys, we know school is not a safe place. Like, we, we put on masks to cover up ourselves because we are scared of what people will think and say about us at school. School's not a safe place. Some of your homes are not a safe place. Social media is sure as heck not a safe place. That's why we take 18 pictures before we post one because it's not safe. Because if we just posted or just said what we thought, maybe people would say mean things. Maybe people would reject us. And so we've got to be willing to cross lines here to make this a safe environment. Even, when, even if somebody has a, a thing in their life that you don't agree with. Remember what Jacob said last week. We can accept someone without approving of their life. It isn't your objective to, uh, to, 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 to approve of what they do. Like, that's not, you. leave that between them and God. When they walk in here, you accept them. You have an opportunity to show them the love of Christ, to cross over lines. And so here's here's a very simple way, and it kind of rhymes, so maybe you can remember it. Here's a very simple way to kind of remember about how we can cross lines as a group here at United. Here's what it is. Talk to people you don't know and make sure no one sits alone. Talk to people you don't know and make sure no one sits alone. Talk to people you don't know and make sure no one sits alone. We're going to say this together. One, two, three. Talk to people you don't know and make sure no one sits alone. See, school may not be safe. Work may not be safe. Your neighborhood may not be safe. Your home may not be safe. Social media may not be safe, but this place should be safe. And this is how we make it safe is if 200 people on a Sunday night talk to people they don't know and they make sure no one sits alone, we will be crossing the line towards the people who need to know Jesus. So that's how we can cross lines together here at United. But we also need to cross lines together in daily life. And here's the thing about United. It's not just a service. It's not just a place. It is a group of people following after Jesus. And so this group of people on a Sunday night, y'all go to school. A lot of you go to jobs. A lot of you are on sports teams and, and, and clubs and, and you live in neighborhoods and you live uh, down the street from each other and all that kind of stuff. And you have the opportunity to cross lines together in your daily life. And if we can start doing it here, I think we can take it out there. But it's difficult to do it out there if we can't even do it here when we are all together. And here's how you can cross lines together in daily life. Because there's power in together. We talk about this all the time. There's power when you do something with someone. Like a lot of you will not go up to someone and talk to someone you don't know at school by yourself. But you might do it if your best friend from your life group is with you. You might do it if three or four of you decide, hey, we're gonna do this together. The Holy Spirit's calling us to do it. We're just gonna go do it. Because you might be scared alone. You might not have much power alone. You might want to hide alone. But with other people, you will do things that you never would have done by yourself. See, we'll cross the lines together in our day-to-day life. We can reach people that we never would have reached otherwise. Here, I want to close with this. Verse 19. I want to go back to it. Verse 19. Listen to the words of James. He says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles, or, or we'll say for non-believers who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the non-believers who are turning to God. Here, This is, this is really like kind of like the, the name of, of, of the game for us at United. We do not want to make it difficult for students who are turning to God. If our, if our purpose is to point students to Jesus, we don't want to make that difficult. We don't want students to come in here and hear, you need to raise your hand and you need to do one, two, three, four, five, six. You have to have this laundry list. We don't wanna make it difficult for people to come into this place and turn to God. This is why we have two services. Because it is difficult to hear and come to know God when you're sitting on the floor or when you're standing in the back or when there's three people sitting in one chair. That's difficult. That's why we have two services. This is why we have life groups. Because you don't get everything just from being in a big room. Sometimes you have to be... In small circles with your friends, with adults pouring into you. This is why we have social media, because people are scared enough to come into this place when they don't know what's gonna happen. So at least we can put out on social media pictures of what happens here, videos of what happens here, give people an idea of what's going to happen. It's why we have. Podcasts of the sermons, so people can can hear something about what's going on here at United, and kind of get an idea for what they're walking into. This is why we have lots of trips. This is why we put devotionals out because we don't want to make it difficult. We don't we don't want students to come in here and be like, "Well, what do I have to do to talk to God?" We just want to give them an opportunity. Hey, here's something you can do for five minutes a day. This is why we do many of the things we do. This is why we have salvation invitations and responses because we don't want to make it difficult. We don't wanna confuse people and have them be like, well, am I a Christian? Like, what does it even mean? How do I do this? We wanna make it clear. And so we have salvation invitations and responses. This is why we do fun things, have giveaways and and, and give away free stuff and and have nine square and have dances at Epworth and all this kind of stuff. Why do we do that? Because we do not wanna make it difficult for people to know Jesus. So here's the last point. When we don't cross lines, when we don't cross lines, when we don't cross lines, we make it difficult for others to come to Jesus. When we don't cross lines at United, when we don't cross lines in our daily lives, we don't cross lines in our friend groups and outside our friend groups, when we're not willing to hang out with people that don't look like us or don't act like us or don't believe like us, we make it difficult for them to come to Jesus. We make it difficult. We are getting in the way. This idea, uh, this, this original word for, for word for difficult that he uses is this idea of like annoying. Like that's literally the definition of it, annoying. We do not want to annoy people out of, of following Jesus. We don't wanna get in their way. We don't wanna become an obstacle. And if we're not willing to cross lines together, we will become an obstacle to people coming to know Jesus. What could happen? In this student ministry, in this city, in some of your middle schools and high schools, what could happen if we were willing to cross lines together? We will reach students we never would have reached. Because I've said this before, but when you come into a place and you see no one that looks like you or no one that believes like you or no one that acts like you or no one that that, that you're involved with in any way or you can associate with in any way, it's hard to connect, no matter how nice people are. But if we'll cross lines in day-to-day lives, if we will cross lines when people walk in here, no matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, no matter what they believe, no matter what what their past is, then they will come back. And as this room becomes more diverse, it starts looking a little bit more like your schools and more like day-to-day life, guess what, people will come in and we will reach people that we never would have reached. Why? Because they walk in and they see some kind of diversity. Listen, United isn't here to reach white kids. United's not here to reach black kids. You know what? United's not here to reach gay or straight kids. United's not here to reach kids that grew up in church or to reach kids that grew up Muslim or Jewish or atheist. United's not here to reach uh, people that are rich or reach people that are poor. United's here to reach all students. All students. Listen to me. All students. Even that kid you cannot stand at your cl- in your class. That, that person that dumped you last year the guy that cheated on you. Hey, Jesus died for them too. The person here, you're like, they'll never come to know Jesus. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. If, if you're willing to cross some lines and get out of the way of them coming to know Jesus. There can be a ripple effect if one person crosses the line and the next person crosses the line and the next person crosses the line and the next person crosses the line. So here's how I want to close. I, and we don't do this every time, but sometimes we do this and this is the kind of message we need to do this. I want you to... Um, I want you to, uh, here's what you're going to do. This is, this is going to take a, little, a couple of moves, all right? In a moment, you're going to stand up. You're going to turn around. You're going to kneel and bow, kind of like at your chair, like it's an altar. And I'm going to ask you to put your right hand around the person to your right, your left hand around the person to your left. So ready, set, do that. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray as a family. And you may say, I'm not even, I don't even know the person on my left. Well, they're your family now. you got your armpit on them. All right? And we're going to pray together that we would cross some lines, that we would cross some lines that the world has put into place so that we can reach people for Jesus, so that we can reach the people in your schools that don't know Jesus right now, so that we can reach a, a group of people that we are not reaching right now as a student ministry. And it may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next month. But if we are willing to cross some lines, we are going to reach people we have never reached in the history of this church. And it's gonna be because you guys crossed lines. So I wanna pray that God will give us the power to cross some lines. Heavenly Father, I pray over this room. I pray over each person on their knees right now with their arm around two people, students, adults, volunteers, staff members. I pray that we... We would follow after your Holy Spirit, that we would cross lines. We'd cross lines in our workplaces, that we cross lines in our homes, that we cross lines in our schools, that we'd cross lines in our neighborhoods, that we cross lines uh, across racial and across sexual orientation and across religion and across uh, class and across neighborhoods and across every single line that the world tries to put in between us. That we would cross over those lines as a group, that we would start a movement that reaches students all over our city, no matter what they look like, no matter what their past is, no matter what's happened in their lives. Lord, we ask this by the power of your name, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would come down upon each of us and enable us to cross lines like we've never crossed them before. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can stand up. We're gonna close in worship.